comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. together from remote galaxies are some of the most sinister podcasters of all time the long box of doom dedicated to a single objective the conquest of the comic book universe Episode 270. This is our live episode. I guess they're all going to be live episode. I should probably stop saying this is our live episode because because they're all live. Uh, but this is our return uh, to old school LOD. This is our episode on Lock and Key Omega. Uh, Lock and Key's been done for a while now. We've been neglecting our duties, uh, no pun intended. But uh, we'll be hitting up Omega this evening, and then we'll be back in two weeks to do Alpha and then kind of give our wrap-up and our thoughts on the series as a whole. Uh, so Mr. Jordan from Jersey will be taking us through that journey. Uh, and uh, for this episode, and hopefully the next episode too, we'll have uh, a very special guest. I, w- I would say from uh, from the future, but but you're, you've joined us in the present now. Um, <laughs> I like how he's in my past. Yeah, I yeah. I like to think of it the past. Yeah, more the past, actually. Well, technically, you're in the present for me. These other two jokers, you're you're in the you're in the past, but uh, us central time zone time zoners stick together. Um, but Callum, Sorry, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. It's my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to it. I love this book. Uh, I've been waiting waiting for this episode for a long time and hounding you guys to do it. So now that we're finally there, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Fantastic. We are uh, happy to have the answer. Yeah. So. Uh, part of the issue people might be saying, well, let me go back and listen to the old episodes. And so um, to, to just kind of bring back the Wayback Machine, we had kind of a website um, reboot a while back, and I started putting up the old episodes on the feed, uh, but I haven't gotten them all done. Um, I think the first episode is on the feed. Like, if you go way back, I think it was at episode 126. Was back when we got hacked by those Canadian Sudoku guys? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was scary. So I think 126, I think was the was the last episode. So um, hopefully by the time you hear this, I will um, try and get the other ones. If nothing else, just those other ones posted. So if somebody wants to go back and kind of give a refresher and uh, hear what we had to say about that back then, in the show notes, I'll make sure to put uh, links to the older episodes in there uh, and put something up probably on the Facebook page just to kind of give everybody the the lowdown on what's going on uh, and then uh, uh, you know get everybody up to speed. Right on. So we ready to get into it, gentlemen? Sure. So let's everyone, go. let's uh, let's travel back to Lovecraft for Lock and Key. And as you said earlier, Russ, you know, we don't have to point out every time that it's a live episode, but this is, we should note, our first live old school LOD comic breakdown uh, episode. So now live and on video, we can do things like show you specific panels if we wanted to, probably in better ways than just me holding the the comic up in front of the camera, but uh, this opens up new possibilities. It's a whole new world. Yeah, there's. Uh, it's funny. There, there's a piece of software that I, I, I'm not ready to. F- it's not fully baked in yet. 
Um, but that's a, it, it does a really cool, even like news style, uh, upper left corner image in there. So we could do uh, stuff like that. And then, I mean, get, with the Google Hangout, you could do screen sharing and things like that. So I think moving forward, you'll see, you'll see us adopt more of that stuff to just kind of bring people in, give them a reason to actually watch the feed other than looking at our uh, ugly mugs for a couple hours. Hey, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to get started with Lock and Key Omega number one. And to, to give us a recap, let's just read the recap from the issue to uh, catch us up on the previous five volumes of the story. A demon by the name of Dodge has possessed the youngest body, or Bodhi of Bodhi Lock, youngest member of the Lock clan. Doc, uh, Dodge seeks to open the black door a passageway to another dimension, a dimension filled with creatures just like him, creatures not of flesh and blood, but of hate and madness. Such devils are psychic parasites, capable of surviving in our world only by attaching themselves to a living soul. Without a spirit to prey upon, demons passing through the door are rendered into an inert but metaphysically potent metal, the Whispering Iron. From such stuff are all the many impossible keys of Key House forged. Now with the most powerful of all the keys in his hand, the Omega Key, nothing remains to stop Dodge from bringing through the rest of his kind. The curtain rises, the final shadow play begins. (laughs) (laughs) And to give some credit where credit is due, uh, Lock and Key is written by Joe Hill with art by the wonderful Gabriel Rodriguez, colors by Jay Photos, letters by Robbie Robbins, and it's edited by Chris Ryall, or Rail, R-Y-A-L-O. I'm guessing on that one. Uh, issue number one of Omega is entitled Our Regrets, and on the cover, we see Bodhi, or Fody, it's Dodge and Bodhi's body, holding the Omega key in front of Key House. I know it's something we've said over and over as we talked about Lock and Key, of the use, the use of these like visual motifs over and over and over. I mean, this cover is a prime example. I mean, we see the same... You know, pose with someone holding one of the keys in front of you know the house, in front of key house, or in front of different places. We see it in the next issue. We've seen it like all through the series. The same you know visual of someone walking with a key toward a door. I mean, it's really cool. I, I really like how they keep repeating those kind of visual cues uh, all through the book. Motif is run through all of Omega and the first issue of Alpha, which follows that up, and we'll talk about next time. And then uh, the final issue, which I won't show the cover of because I guess it would be a spoiler. Uh, for the next episode, um, is a similar motif, but features no key, unlike the previous issues, most of which have keys or something else in someone's hand, um, mm. first-person style. But I mean, it's something you see in, like, Watchmen, or you see it in, like, uh, Serious Polyp, or, like, in, in some graphic novels, you see that kind of use of visual motif like that, and I really appreciate it in, in like, I don't want to call Lock and Key a mainstream comic, but a more mainstream comic than one of those. So. Yeah. yeah and- First thing I'd say is, it obviously all comes back to Watchmen, but uh, the, second, the second thing I'd say is I'm going to spend most of the night just gushing on the art in this book. I think, uh, you know, uh, Rodriguez is just such a fantastic artist. I mean, it's oh, beautiful. Yeah. And and just speaking of the repeating motifs, like, as you get into it, uh, one of the things I love, and hopefully I'll call it out when we get there, is when he shows the same panel more or less the same three times, but there's just these little subtle changes, you know, the, the door's cracked open just a little bit, and then there's someone in the door, and they're out of the door, you know, and that's the only difference in those three panels. It's it's so good. It's it's beautiful. I love it. And, yeah, you know, I forgot Watchmen does do a lot of that same sort of idea of just these, you know, very, very similar panels, 
and just find, trying to find that one difference, you know, that and that's what you need to focus on. It's it's beautiful. I, I love the art in this book. Yeah, me too. So on page one, we have Fody using the giant key to find the crown of shadows that Tyler had hid on top of the lighthouse in Lovecraft. Um, and he's well, spotted by. Series, I was going to say this is a series of panels, just like what Callum was talking yeah. about. We have the zoom in on the top of the lighthouse, and it pulls back. Then we see you know Fody, as you like to call him, you know fake Bodie, uh, walk into the frame, and then we go back to the zoom from the first. Yeah. Frame, but now we see his figure is huge, holding on to you know relatively tiny crown. Yeah. yeah like yeah. like you know, like Callum says, it's really cool. Mm. And uh, we see the family inside the lighthouse, and they actually spot him. And mm. we've seen them before. I don't remember exactly which volume, but we'd seen them before, and they had seen a giant, or at least the young daughter had. Yeah. Um, but Vodi sees them, and he causes a tidal wave that destroys the lighthouse and kills them. Yeah. On page two, we're introduced, or actually page three, we're introduced to our framing device for this issue, and that is that the friend of the lost children, Scott Cavanaugh, is making a film for Homecoming, and he's interviewing various classmates about the things they wish they could go back and tell their younger selves. But he's interrupted by the news of the deadly tidal wave. Yeah, and I would say this is an even better example of what we were talking about with the art. I mean, it, it's shot through the camcorder uh, viewer screen, and in the first screen there's just uh, Tyler, and then you can see in the next scene there's a couple of people running behind him. Then the third scene, there's a heap of people running behind him, and by the fourth scene, he's turned around, he's looking at what everyone else is looking at, which, spoiler, if you turn the page, you can see what everyone's looking at, which is what Jordan said, this, this lighthouse has just been smashed into the ground, you know, by a giant Bodie, basically. <laughs> On page five, we see uh, Fody go down into the pump room beneath Key House, and he's using shadows to drain the drowning cave, uh, which is a, a main point of interest for much of the series, the drowning cave, and we'll be spending a lot of time there in this and the next volume. So we get various clips of the different interviews that Scott is um, is doing with his classmates. Um, one of them, whose name is, I believe, Mandy? Yes, Mandy. Uh, I have a typo in my notes. Wishes she could tell her younger self it was okay to be a nerd, and she just needed to be braver. And then Amen. she kisses Scott's bald head for luck, <laughs> and Scott's girlfriend, Jackie, is not a fan of this particular action. She's got her huge 20-sided dice... With her yeah. too, I think we've yeah. seen her with that. Haven't we seen her with that dice before in the in the book? Like she she always carries that huge twenty sided dice. It's possible. I don't think of her having a huge role in the book until this volume, and it's not even that huge. I and mean, it's important, but it's yeah. it's small. But she definitely gets more of a spotlight here. Yeah. Again, I I mean she'll come up again a bit later in the book as well. Again, with her fifteen seconds of fame, this this sets it up. You know, this uh, it's okay to be who you are and and whatnot when. When we revisit her, she sort of, you know, holds on to that. Oh, I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going to be who I want to be, and well, we'll see how that turns out for her, but not well. <laughs> on page eight, we see my namesake, Jordan, whose last name I believe is Gates, but it's not on this page, so I'm not 100% sure. Um, she wishes she could tell her younger self to do one nice thing for a different person every day and to cut it out with being a pyromaniac, which she doesn't <laughs> do a very good job of. It's always good advice, you know. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun with fire over the years. I've yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of not being a pyromaniac. <laughs> well, that's right, I, uh, ex-firefighter, so that makes sense. Um, we then see Fody entering the drowning cave with a fistful 
of all, or at least most of, the keys. I think there's one or two he doesn't have his hands on, but uh, he's got most of them. And the panel actually mimics the cover, with it being a first-person point of view and his hand holding the keys in uh, roughly the same position that, that his hand is in in the cover. On page 10, we see Tyler Locke giving his interview, and uh, he's he's talking about one thing and thinking about another. He's thinking about his guilt over his dad's murder, um, because he had given Sam the idea to murder his dad in the first place, even if he wasn't serious. But instead, he relays the story of a time he failed to protect Kinsey at a party, and she got in a drunk driving accident. It's actually there, and I'll hold it up to the camera where uh, on this panel we actually have a cameo from Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez as EMTs. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Joe Hill will be the one in glasses who looks like Stephen King. And Makes sense. Gabriel Rodriguez would be the one who doesn't look like Stephen King. That is so cool. <laughs> is the police officer anyone we should know, or is that just generic police officer? No, I don't know. That's a good question. It could be like J-Photos or, or yeah. um, something you like think... that, but I'm, I'm not sure. You'd think if, you know, that that was going to be the, the panel that these guys insert themselves into, and especially the way the, the police officers very looking towards the front of the panel, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious it's meant to be somebody. And he's got a very detailed face, like a very yeah, clearly defined facial structure, so that's yeah. a good point. So we find out that it's this accident, and because he got in trouble about it, uh, that's the reason he was mad at his dad in the first place back in Volume yeah. 1, Welcome to Key House. He got in trouble, he was mad at his dad, and then his dad died after, died soon after, and he still feels guilty about that and, uh, and feels bad about not being able to make it up to his dad. Yeah, and even on that panel just below the accident, you can see Sam sticking his head around the door just to remind us in Issue 1 that, you know, Sam was sitting out the front when Tyler stormed out, you know, so it's it's putting that right in context of... You know, this was that event when Tyler stormed out, Sam went in, and, and we know what happens after that from issue one. Right. So, yeah. We find out that even though Kinsey is kind of young, she's had a, a bit of a, uh, a uh, excitement-filled life. <laughs> she, she, always had, she always gives me the impression that she's older than she really is just because yeah. of, of how, uh, uh, you know, how much life she's lived, I guess, and how... how I, I guess being close to Tyler, um, you know, relationship-wise, like they're they're very close to each other, and being involved with you know his friends and stuff like that, that she just she's just kind of at that tag-along age. Well, and mm. she was she's always been kind of portrayed as the rebel of the three. Sure, two. sure. Mm. Uh, Tyler's very much the uh, not the rebel. <laughs> yeah, the quiet one. <laughs> So he's, he's telling this whole thing to Scott, and then we see on uh, page 13 that Scott has stopped taping, and he says, this is all a bit too personal for the film. He's getting a little bit too dark there. And Tyler leaves for the forge, where his Uncle Duncan is showing him how to make keys. I wonder if that'll be important later in the story. Yeah, maybe. So Kinsey goes to Scott, and she asks him if she can be interviewed for the film, and at first she doesn't want to because she's not a senior, but she eventually convinces him. And she talks about her mom, Nina's alcoholism, and how she, Kinsey, is just like her mom. And we know from the story that while Nina used alcohol to block her emotions and her pain, um, Kinsey used the head key to remove her, her emotions and pain completely from her head. And she's, she's finally this, seeing the symmetry there. I was going to say, I think this is a big moment for Kinsey when she realizes that her and her mom are so alike because... You know, they've been at loggerheads, kind of, you know, as the story has gone on, and but you know, realizing that you know they they try to deal with their pain in the exact same way. 
you know, you know, one with alcohol and one by using the head key. So, you know, character-wise, I think it's a big moment. And it'll be very important in this volume, because it'll come back to that a few times um, mm. in different contexts. Um, she leaves in tears after giving the interview and goes to hug her mom in the garden, and we see that Nina Locke is in a much better state than she's been for most of the book, uh, considering for most of the book she's been uh, dealing with alcoholism and the grief of losing her husband. So Scott has taken the interviews to heart, and he heads down into town to a tattoo shop, which is called Gabe's Inc., and in the background we can also see there's Joe's Pub, so we get both of our creators' name dropped there, and he gets a new tattoo. A few days later at school, Scott goes to his friends to apologize for his past behavior. They're all playing uh, Magic the Gathering, by the way. And reveals his new ink to the, while having them film his own interview for the Homecoming film. And he talks about how his ink is his armor, and his new tattoo is to remind him of what he fights for. It's a human heart on the center of his chest with ready to live, ready to die, for friends, love, art. Uh, written on it. It's a very cool rendering as well, that particular tattoo. Yeah. You know, I always Hardcore wonder... man. <laughs> no, it's Artie character, Artie character we're supposed to know or remember from the book. You remember Artie? Because <laughs> I don't remember him. You know, I always looked at um at Scott's tattoos right up and down his arm and it's so pronounced and I just wondered if that was ever going to come up as any sort of significant, but I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't, does it? It's just this fantastic art up and down his arms. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, it definitely looks like armor. It looks kind of like scaled, scaled armor. But uh, aside from yeah. the fact that his tattoos are important to him, they, they don't become a plot point aside from this new yeah. one in the book that I can remember. Yeah, because that's what I mean. I, I remember even seeing it first, you know, when it was first introduced, uh, you know, right at the start, thinking, oh, wow. I wonder if that, that's so pronounced and so detailed and, you know, I just wondered if it was going to come up as any sort of significance, but I guess not. I mean, like I said, except to be an armor and, you know, just be be who he is. Yeah, and he is certainly a lot of character. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, well, that's on page 20, we see Fody get, go down into the caves, past the desiccated corpse of his original Lucas body in female form, crushed beneath the rubble. And after he passes by, we see one of Aaron, or Aaron Voss's surviving emotions crawl out from the rubble, which is a big deal, uh, because yeah. all of her emotions were theoretically drowned in the drowning caves in 1998. And then yeah. on the final page, well, we see Fody... Well, in Oh, go ahead. I was just, yeah, you, you're racing through what I think is just such a fantastic set of panels. And, again, it's exactly what I was talking about. Like, on, uh, I've got the trade, so I'm saying page 27. So, but, uh, page 21 in the floppies, yeah. 21 in the floppies. Again, the, the bottom three panels, you've got Fody walking out in the top of the, the first panel, then just very little in the second panel. Then in the third panel, you, you know, it looks like he's just repeated the same panel twice. But in the very left, this tiny little girl in a, in a school costume He's walking out from a couple of rocks. I mean, so easy to miss. Yeah, I, I like a lot of that in his repeating panels. You, like, yeah. you, you kind of pointed to it earlier, but you really have to look sometimes to see what is the different thing. And because you have to look, when you yeah. find it, it's almost like that Where's Waldo moment. Where I think it might be Where's Wally across <laughs> yeah. the pond there. But, yeah, that's uh, right. You uh, can even see in the second panel, she's starting to come out. Oh, yeah. like if you look at yeah, that yeah. rock, you see the hand and, and, oh, her, yeah. and part of her head. Hmm. And then, but I think, uh, I think if you read it enough, you know, once you realize any time there's a repeated panel, it's not just 
you know, uh, Gabe Rodriguez being lazy. It's like, well, he's done this for a reason. What, you know, it's on me now to find to find Wally or Waldo, if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, and for me, it just makes it much more fulfilling when you find it. It's not just, okay, that thing happened, that thing happened. It's what happened. Oh, yeah. that's really cool, you know. And uh, on the final page, we see Fody in full Shadow Queen mode approach the Omega door, key in hand, and say, well, that's that. I win the end. Which I thought was a fantastic ending to issue number mm. one. As you head into the, uh, the the second, kind of the final volume, depending on how you want to... I think your trade is, is Alpha, or Omega and Alpha, right, uh, Callum? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So for... For some of us, it's two volumes, and for others, it's one. I kind of think of it as one, even though they technically have different titles. Yeah. Uh, issue number two is titled Squadron Strange, The Soldier. I think there was an earlier issue, volume two or three, just called Squadron Strange. Yeah. Um, on the cover, we see a robot hand, presumably uh, the hand of Mayhem, Rufus's uh, toy's robot soldier, holding the ghost key in front of the ghost door, which is open. And on page one, we're reintroduced to Rufus Whedon, the autistic son of the deceased Ellie Whedon, um, who is being brought to Key House to say goodbye before he leaves for a group home. And while the family looks for Fody so Rufus can bid him farewell, Bodie's ghost discovers that Rufus can see and hear him and is overjoyed. And we've had that set up in previous volumes that um, due, probably, presumably due to his autism, um, the the way Rufus's brain works is very different from the rest of people. He can't have the head key used on him. It doesn't work at all, and he can see the ghosts who have come through the ghost door. We don't know about any other type of ghost, but definitely the spirits through the ghost door he can see and communicate with. So some nice continuity there. Yeah. Now, on that scene where uh, Rufus first walks in and looks up, um, what my biggest regret with Lock and Key, I have not been able to get my hands on a copy of the uh, what was the one shot? I know there was there so was there two was, one shots. There was Grindhouse, and the one before that, which is the one I think you're referring to, yep. is titled Guide to the Known Keys, and there's yes. a story inside that that's called Open the Moon. Yeah, that's the one I I've never been able to track down a copy of that. I mean, I know I can get it digitally, but. I'm a bit of a purist. I wanted a copy of it, so I've never actually read the Guide to the Known Keys. Oh, so I'm assuming. Oh, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. I might have to just pull the trigger and just get that digitally. I, I don't have much comics digitally, but I like so I can't track that down. And I'm assuming that the, the whole uh, skylight and the the banners on the wall in that scene that's obviously a nod to that to that uh, one shot, isn't it? I believe both of the people we see in there are nods to that, although it's yeah. not, it's kind of a artistic embellishment oh, yeah. of yeah, them. Absolutely. And of the the um, the hot air balloon um, what's the word that starts with C? It's a piece of art like cloth art hanging on the wall. Banner. <laughs> oh, okay, banner. Yeah, ba banner will work. Tapestry. Tapestry. I don't know why I said C. But yeah, tapestry. That tapestry is also a direct reference to yeah. um, the Guide to the Known Keys. And we'll yeah. see it again later in uh, the series as well. Keep an eye. I mean, Calum, keep an eye on like Comicsology because they do run sales, like ninety nine cent sales, all the time. I mean, that's how I got all of these digitally. Um, yep. Was through ninety nine cent sales on Comicsology, um, and you know, it, it at you know a buck, it's almost a no brainer. Even if you end up finding oh, yeah. it in print somewhere, it's yeah. it's not that big of a deal. And the cool thing is, like IDW Image. Um, and I think Dynamite 
uh, and Valiant, they all let you do DRM. They're all DRM free. So oh, cool. yeah. you know you could you could technically just pull that down and then use it like with a with your own comic reading app. You know, so if you use something to read like CBRs or CBZs, you can you can actually download it from Comixology as either a PDF or CBR CBZ. Um, oh, cool. and just you know, be able to put it on pretty much whatever device you want, and just kind of have it, uh, you know, have it locally. So that that I, I you know, like I said, I, I I always you know keep an eye on uh, on the digital sales. Yeah, I think I'm just a purist. I, I, oh, I sure. still like I still like my music on CDs. I still like my comic on paper. Sure. <laughs> so, but no, I mean, I like I said, I should just just buy it. I think just so. Again, I, I can't believe I haven't read it. Maybe you said we're back in two weeks. Maybe that's my goal for the next two weeks to, there you go. to finally pull that trigger. Like Report that. in. Uh, so Ghost Bodie warns Rufus that Fody is really Dodge in disguise. And pretty much at that moment, Fody, as Bodie, comes in to say goodbye to Rufus, and Rufus attacks him. Um, he strangles him. And Tyler hits Rufus over the head with a tire iron to save his quote-unquote brother. And I love this sequence. Yeah. Because... You know, it's it's like he's so Rufus is so conflicted because he's like, you know, I, I don't know what I should do. Every time, you know, I I am supposed to do something, I end up I end up doing the wrong thing. Um, but but he attacks him, and I love the. I mean, get a little, little bit ahead of ourselves here, but when you know you see Tyler, he's just reared back to swing, and the next thing we see is poor Rufus sitting in the back of the car with his head bandaged up. So it's like we never even see kind of the fallout. In the actual act, we we just we just see the the result of it, and the, this poor kid who you know really is trying to do the right thing is is you know ends up with a uh, you know in a, in an orange jumpsuit with a, you know bandaged up and is and he's handcuffed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think I've got to be honest. There's a line in here that maybe just laugh out loud the first second I read it, and you know it's oh hey Bodie, how are you? Oh, you can see me. That's fantastic. And and Rufus says to Bodie, "You don't have a ding dong anymore because <laughs> Bodie's standing there and goes form <laughs> naked." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know the first time I read that, I laughed out loud. It's just it's just so perfect. Like I love Rufus and like just the the innocence and just how well written it is, you know. And and, uh, and just moving on to where Russ was talking about with um, you know, Tyler got the Tyrone back again. You can see even just in the art, like. Tyler's really conflicted, or just I think, just you know he's not he's not happy about what he's going to do. He's like, oh well, you know, gee, I wish Rufus had stopped so I didn't have to do this, but he knows what he's still got to do. I mean, that's what I see just in in that single panel of Tyler's face. You know that oh, he just, absolutely. yeah, you know, I wish I didn't have to do this. You know, I I wish there was some other way. But again, if if Bodie, what he believes Bodie's being strangled, then yeah, right, exactly. So a day or so so later, as you guys talked about, hit, uh, in the back of a police car, we have uh, Rufus all bandaged up, and he's being taken by Detective Daniel Matuku, who's a returning character, um, to the same mental institution or mental hospital. I don't know what the uh, exact correct term is. Unfortunately, there's not a sign on the building, so you can name it. But it's the same one where Aaron Voss lives, um, and Rufus can no longer go to the group home that they were planning to take him to due to his violent outburst. And as Rufus is being le- led away, he tells Daniel that Fody is not human and has to be stopped and soon. Jordan, I think there is a name on that. I'm just flicking through now. There's a name when they go back there a bit later. Um, I know there's certainly a shot of it in um, 
you know, in, in that issue that's about Aaron as well. Um, but I'm sure I'm just... Oh, I, I know it's in here somewhere. I just don't have it in my notes. Yeah, 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 so yeah, I can't say it, but... I'll, I'll give you something more interesting. Uh, this is another example of really, really great art. I mean, it's only a simple picture of, okay, the detective car pulling up outside. But if you flick forward to, uh, I guess it's probably one of the last 10 pages of the whole series, one of the last 10 pages of uh, that, there's actually the exact same shot repeated, but this time it's when um, when Tyler and uh, Kinsey are pulling up, well, again, at the end to, oh, right, to right, see right. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, if you look at that, it's, it's the exact same scene. But instead of the car pulling up and one group of people getting out, it's the same car pulling up another group of people. Again, it's just – and I think if you had the time to sit through, you know, like you guys did with Watchmen, the amount you'd find, oh, wow, this panel in, you know, issue six references back to issue 10 or issue one, you know. So I think there's just so much there. Well, even the very next page, uh, page eight of issue two of Omega, we, we have this image – um, of the Lack family going okay. crabbing at the Drowning yeah. Cave, and this is a full-page spa- splash of a panel we see repeated, or image we see repeated, yep. probably 50 to 100 times throughout the whole series. Exactly, yep. And uh, so they're, they're having fun crabbing down there, and Tyler has a talk with his mother, and he tells her he's proud of her for her month of sobriety. Um, so Nina is Nina is moving towards a good place, uh, which will make things that happen later on in this in this volume, all the, all the worse. Um, on page 10, at the Menstrual Institution, or Evil Place of Evil, run by uh, <laughs> Nazi Velociraptors, as uh, Rufus sees it, because we get kind of Rufus's uh, Squadron Strange vision, comic book vision of the world in a few places in this issue and previous issues. Yeah. Um, he plans his escape so he can stop Fody, and Aaron Voss, uh, who, like I said before, is in the same building, overhears him say Dodge's name, and she breaks from her normal normal pattern of saying it's all white, and variations of that, to say stop Dodge. Which I think, yeah. in the quote-unquote present day, that's the first time we've ever seen her say anything other than white, it's all white, or some variation yeah. of yeah. these phrases. And Jordan, it looks yeah. like it's McClellan Psychiatric Hospital. That's the... yeah. Ah, yes, yes. There That's the page there. I was looking for. I knew it was there. Evil Place of Evils fits nicely there too. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, so one. Kinsey, oh, go ahead. I was going to say I love just that page. You know, like the the top half is Evil Place of Evil. The first panel on the left is you know inside Rufus's head. The first pa- the first panel on the right is the real life and. And then the bottom panel, again, it's just the symmetry. It's, it's beautiful. And um, and I love when Rufus is thinking about himself in Squadron Supreme World. He's this massive beefcake of a guy, you know. And <laughs> you know, But his head is exactly the same, which I find interesting. Yeah. Like his head is even the same size. It yeah, it's it just has a scar. Yeah, it's yeah. a scar Oh, yeah, I guess he has the scar in the world, too. That's right, because from the tire iron, duh. Yeah, that's right. That makes sense. And I like how the, I mean, even the coloring, like you look at, at the difference between when he's in his, in his headspace and when he's, you know, when we see what's really going on, the, just the different, you know, much darker on the coloring, you know, much more use of grays, blacks, yep. you know, dark greens, you, you know, we don't see any of the bright, um, you know, just these images are very dark um, and much more, not even like a, a complete departure you know, stylistically, but just just different enough, you know, that we know we're you know we're seeing you know. Well, um, it, it evokes those old GI Joe comics and things sure. like yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can't remember where it was, but that, that when like said that whole issue that was 
that done by Rufus, that was just fantastic. You know, the um, I can't remember, was it, I don't know, it was a couple of trades ago, but there was a whole issue, wasn't there, dedicated to just Rufus and, and just the Squadron Supreme thing, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which I think that's the one that has just the title Squadron uh, Strange. This one's yeah. Squadron Strange. What was the title? Uh, the Soldier. Yeah. yeah. So on page 12, we have Kinsey preparing for Homecoming. And Tyler says he's not going. Uh, Kinsey notes that he's removed his trademark fishing lure from the brim of his hat, and he says he still doesn't know what he's going to do with the lure yet. And I would just like to point out, even though, uh, like Russ said earlier, all the old episodes are not up there yet, I called it with the lure, like, so early. (laughs) And uh, I was right. I'd just like to point that out. Well, to counteract that, Jordan, I was exactly the opposite. I still remember... Again, I, I buy these in the trade, and so I had to wait. You know, I, I avoided spoilers, which was easy enough. But uh, just reading the last page or the last two or three pages of Trade Paper 5 and just more or less dropping the book and saying, oh, my goodness, like, that is so <laughs> cool. I, I I think, I don't know if, it, I think Brad, Brad Milo from Half Hour Wasted said he's the kind of guy that, that doesn't catch these things and feels better for it. And I'm the same. Like I, I'd rather just live in naivety. And so when you know things like this come, okay, Jordan, you get the pleasure of saying, "Hey, I called it two years ago," but I get the oh snap moment of I never saw that coming. That is so cool. And like I said, I, I remember I, I almost physically dropped the comic book that I was reading because it was just that is awesome. That is just so good. Um, moments like that, both types are are great. There's the moment. Oh, absolutely. In- in Alpha that we'll get to uh, next time that was like that for me, where it's like, oh, of course, they oh, set yeah. that up yeah. four volumes ago, and that's in... perfect and beautiful and just the exact right thing, you know. And, and if it's the same moment we're thinking of, they set it up four volumes ago in possibly the single best lock and key issue that there is. I think we are talking about the exact same moment, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on page 14, Rufus is recounting to his counselor, uh, to McClellan, uh, his history of abuse by Dodge and by his grandmother and his love for his mom, uh, who was the one person who was there for him for yeah. most of his life. And I'll, I mean, we're not going to get into the details of it, but it's pretty brutal, the things yeah. that both him and his mom went through with Dodge yeah. and his grandmother. It's really sad. I mean, I really, you know, one of the things that Joe Hill does a really good job in this series is really making poor Rufus just this very... Um, very sympathetic character. Like you really feel bad for this kid because, yeah. you know, on, on top of his, um, uh, you know, autism or you know or you know wh- whatever his condition is, um, you know, he just he just had a raw deal. You know, he's just had a really crappy home life. You know, and the and the one the one person the one thing that was good in his life his mother that just loved him unconditionally and you know I think you know he was the one thing that kept her going. Uh, you know, despite all this other bad stuff, uh, now that she's gone, it's just like you just feel like, man, what 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 else can happen to this poor kid? Uh, you know, and it's just it's just heartbreaking. And and you yeah. feel bad for her too because you know I think the first time we see her is when Dodge comes back, Luke Dodge, Fody, whatever we're calling him at mm-hmm. that p- particular moment. We pretty much don't get to see her happy and more or less normal in the whole book at all, yeah. except for flashbacks to pre everything in the eighties. And yeah. now here, like in this in this nice moment with um with them out you know digging clams um, yeah. at, at the uh, at the cape there, like that's probably the happiest moment we see from her in the entire series, and it's after this brutal page of all the terrible things that were done to her and her son. Yeah, I mean that that one page, you know, going back one, 
uh, you know, page 15 in the book, where she's sitting on the bed, she's mm. naked covering herself, there's a bottle of booze, uh, you know, dodges on the phone talking to, um, talking to Kinsey, and, you know, poor um, Rufus comes her walking in. Bloodied. Yeah, yeah, her nose is bloody. It's just, it's so humiliating. And, and just the fact that, you know, he just, he's getting pleasure at this point of humiliating her in front of him and, and not being, you know, shy about it all. You just really, again, you just, you know, the both of them, you just, it's just, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, of all the, of all the stuff that happens in the series, you know, you, you know, even the stuff with Tyler, you know, where he has regret about what he did for his dad, I, I don't, feel sorry for Tyler. I mean, I feel bad for Tyler because I think, you know, some in, in the Locke family because bad things have happened to them, you know, somewhat unjustifiably, uh, you know, and then we find out more, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, about his father and, you know, what kind of what they did. But, you know, here's here's a couple of people that really have just tried to move on and do different with their life and they just keep getting slapped down, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, just to, to go back to how well Rufus is written, I mean, just the amount of times... You know, uh, where he's talking about Dodge, or he's talking about his father, and he says, "Oh, they don't like stupid people. That's why they didn't like me." And it's 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 so innocent that it just rolls off his tongue. I mean, he's obviously been told yeah. that, "Oh, you're stupid. You're, you're a retard." I mean, you're this, you're that, and and it uh, you can't help but have your heart break. Just you know, you hear him say that, and and he's only repeating what he's been said, and now he believes. You know, oh, because I think it's um. You know, in in where he's out collecting clams with his mum or whatever the case is, and he says, "Oh, you know, I'm too stupid for this, and and that's okay. No one wants to be around this stupid kid." And his mum says, "No, it's my pleasure to be your commander. I I want, you know." And yeah. like I said, every time every time he says, "You know, well, you know, he didn't want to be around me because I'm stupid. He didn't like me because I'm this." Or it, again, it's just heartbreaking. I agree with you, Russ. I mean, he's the 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 saddest character, that the most empathetic. I mean, you know, and, and it just makes it. So much better, you know. In the coming few pages, you know, we'll see him have his moment. We'll see him, you yeah. Know, and he's like, yeah, go, Team Rufus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the the callback to that very moment you talked about with the "I'm proud to be your commanding uh, to be your captain, soldier." The callback yeah. to that at the end of this issue is just a beautiful, beautiful moment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 That we'll get to. Uh, so at page nineteen, uh, James. Or J- my notes kept auto-correcting names, so that's not James. That's Jamal. Kinsey's date shows up to uh, pick her up at Key House, and he's flaked. Uh, he's flanked by dates uh, Jackie and Scott, who, due to a lost bet on Jackie's part, are cross-dressing to the prom, which is a great image. Um, I love that picture. I had that as wallpaper on my uh, on my iPod for a while. I just love that <laughs> picture. The, the smile on Scott's face, the the look on Jackie's face. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. The pink hair and everything is great. Yeah, yeah. And just he's so proud of himself. Just so sincere and so proud. And Jackie just wishes she could curl up in a ball and die. <laughs> uh, Jamal and Kinsey share a kiss, and Scott convinces uh, Nina Locke to dance with him, which is another nice moment. Yeah. Meanwhile, at McClellan, uh, Rufus uses his Mayhem action figures, internal battery, and wiring to bypass the electronic lock on his uh, room's door. And he's almost stopped by a nurse, who I don't know if we ever get her name, but we see her a few times throughout the series. Um, but Aaron Voss trips her with her wheelchair and yeah. yells after him to go stop Dodge. That is so cool. I I just love that. Again, it's, it's only a subtle thing where in the first shot, the wheelchair is just next to this nurse. The next one, the wheelchair is taking a hard right. And, and again, Aaron's saying stop Dodge. It's, 
again, that's one of my favorite moments, even just rereading it in the last week or so. I just love that. I, I love Erin and, you know, I love how her story arc carries through, you know, and gets resolved. But uh, I just think it's so good. It's, I love that. I love just that, even, you know, two or three panels there. Right. I'm going to, so I just did a little screen share here, but just oh, going nice. back, going yeah. back a page. Um, so this is another example of, you know, I, I, not even repeating panels, but just where we see an image on the left and an image on the right. And this is again in his mind when, uh, you know, where he sees himself and it's the exact same thing happening and you see it from his perspective and what's really yeah. going on. And again, another, another example of the difference in not just the art, even the style. Like when you look at that middle panel, you see the shading. Um, you know, and obviously part of that is because he's in darkness. But, you know, just a little tweak to the style uh, and then the coloring. You see the moon in the left is yellow and in the, in the right it's white. Um, and again, the hallways are, you know, in, in real life are, are pretty well lit. And then here we see them in, uh, in that image and they're, and they're dark. So, again, I just, I really, you know, we talk about symmetry. We talk about repeating. You know, we talk about, you know, changes up in style. I mean, I think this, this is another example of, of that. And come yeah, on. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah, Nazi velociraptors. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, two two questions. The two nurses. I assume they're male nurses down the bottom there. Are they meant to be anybody, or or is that just? Uh, I, I assume so, but I don't know who. Yeah, and, and, and the second thing. Just so much detail and specificity in their faces. They've got to be somebody, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the second question, Russ, on that panel you, you shared. You know what I thought of when I saw the the two uh, Rufuses in the top panel. I thought. Pre serum Chris Rog uh, Steve Rogers, post serum Steve Rogers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, post post serum becomes BJ Blaskowitz from Wolfenstein. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so on our, our final pages, we see Rufus talk to Mayhem, um, who he yeah. converses with, his action figure, and says that he's scared to go over the wall and back to Key House. And then May Mayhem lifts her helmet and reveals yeah. inside the armor Rufus's memory of his mother lives on. And yeah, she's, so she's glad cool. to serve alongside him and Rufus scales the wall and heads for Lovecraft. But it, it's a beautiful moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Rufus is crying while he's doing this as well, you know, and alright, I'll try, I'll try, I'll do my best. Like, that's just so sincere. Like, that's that's not just a flipping eye, you know, I promise to do my best. It's like, well, we know how much his mother means to him, how much mayhem means to him, and uh, I, again, it's beautiful, Jordan, like you said. Moving on then, to issue number three, last day. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> the last page of, uh, I assume it's the last page in the floppies as it is in the trade. Yes, it's the it's title the, page, yes. Yeah, the, the full yeah. cover of Squadron Strange, The Soldier. Yeah, I'm, I, getting, I, I'm getting I, back home, Mayhem, one way or another, on my own two feet, or in a box. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's it, uh, and that's so cool. Again, it's it's all in the style of the the Nazi uh, Velociraptors. There's you know all sorts of crazy tanks and whatnot going. On. It's ah uh, so cool. I'll gladly pick I'll gladly pick up an issue of Squadron Strange and read it. <laughs> yeah, so I've got I've got it. I I did it on the screen share too. You can yeah. even see like the color is a little faded. Uh, you know they tried to do a little distressed. Um, around the edges. I would have loved to have seen like a crease through the middle of it, you know. Just, oh yeah. But but yeah, it's really really well done. Again, the old school, almost EC type of uh, lettering at the bottom. Yeah. And and, and not only that, stuff. it's it's a Lock and Key Omega crossover. Squadron yeah. Strange, summoned by Lock and Key, unleashed by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. It's uh, just in that bottom right hand corner. It's just so cool. I mean, that's that's awesome. 
Yeah, I love the character of Rufus, and this is a big emotional payoff for him to find yeah. out that you know mayhem is actually the memory of his mother. It's just, yeah, I mean he's he's really the one who really has all the holds all the answers, and and you know I don't want to use the metaphor of holding all the keys or whatever, but hey. he kind of he, he, he kind of sees the entire picture, but because he is who he is, no one really listens to him or takes him seriously. Mm. If we could just well, unlock what he knows. There's a, a lot of irony there. Yeah. <laughs> Issue number three of Omega is entitled Last Dance. And on the cover, we have Fody in full Shadow Queen mode, holding the shadow key in front of the headless fountain at Key House. You mean something that looks like this? There we go. Yeah, he's on mm-hmm. the ball. <laughs> Killing it. Hopefully YouTube will be kind and we will not get a takedown notice. <laughs> Fair use. We're, we're, we're doing this for educational reasons. Keep saying you, know that. What I, you know what I just realized, guys? With the uh, with the trades, I've actually got the, a similar pitch to what you guys have got, but mine hasn't got the hand in it. So, oh. yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I can sort of flick it up. Uh, if that works, if I can talk, or Russ, if you want to throw my screen up. Like I said, on the right, I've got the last page of uh, Squadron Supreme, and then on the left, I've got the statue, but uh, no hand in the bottom left-hand corner there. So that's really interesting. That is huh. interesting. I wonder if that was an alternate cover, or I wonder if that's just how they decided to show it for the um, yeah for the the trade. Makes me a bit sad. Uh, on, page, <laughs> on page one, we have a uh, half-asleep Nina, um, and Ghost Bodie is there. And he thinks at first that in her half-asleep half state, she's able to hear him. But it turns out she's not hearing Ghost Bodhi. She's hearing Fody, who is walking out the front door wearing the Crown of Shadows. She tells oh, it is excellent, past- excellent. I just wanted to point out in this panel with uh, him standing in the doorway that he's casting two, two different shadows yeah. on the Which floor. Is- just real, really great visual touch. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. Because one's, one's the male version of Dodge, it looks like, and one's the female version of Dodge. Yeah. Right. Um, and so she tells him it's past his bedtime, get back in bed, and he sicks the shadows on her. Uh, and Nina is terrified as the shadows rip her clothing, and then they force-feed her alcohol while the whole time Fody is mocking her mercilessly. And it's it's gross. Yeah. Yeah, this is the, one, the, one, the one shot of him, you know, looking up from the book and the, you know, when he's lit from below, that's just kind of evil, malicious. I mean, yeah. Bodie has been like the Calvin of Calvin and Hobbes throughout this whole thing, and to see him betrayed like that is just kind of a mind blower. It's pretty cool, but yeah, brutal and uh, disturbing. And again, just for how well this book's written, I mean, like your heart breaks for Nina, or my heart breaks for Nina, I should say. You know, because especially knowing that okay, she's going to get drunk, Kinsey's going to come in, lose her cool, and. And, you know, you're pulling for Nina so much. Like, I was so happy. She says, oh, I've been sober a month. It's like, yeah. You know, and uh, just to know where this where this is going, you know, where, with her getting drunk again effectively, you know, it again, it's just one of these really well-written things where, you know, she's such a good character. I mean, you can't help but think, go Nina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. On page five, out in the garage slash forge, Tyler is opening up the fishing lure to reveal the whispering iron inside. And he Hello, talks to Duncan about ugly. his father. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, uh, so they, they talk about uh, about his father, Duncan's brother, and Duncan assures him that his father loved him. And Duncan encourages Tyler to go to the prom or the 
homecoming dance and even gives Tyler a shirt he assures him will drive the ladies wild. Tyler doubts it, but he heads off to the dance. As Tyler leaves, we see shadows creeping up behind Duncan to ambush him. Again, that that's that full page as Duncan's waving goodbye is just gorgeous. I mean, the the detail. If you see the samurai's, uh, I suppose that's his right leg. You know, it's on top of the the wooden chest, but then half of it's like the bottom half of it's two dimension, uh, like two dimensional, and the top half right. is three dimensional. And I don't know what that pig looking character on the left is. That's kind of awful. Yeah. It's, it's funny too. It's like you know, if you describe the panel, it's like. Okay, there's a samurai, a zombie, and a pig with a cigar, and they're about to beat up a guy, you know, yes. or, beat, you know or, or attack a guy. You'd be like, wow! But the way it's it's all put together, and like the uh, the shadow snakes, yep. you know, and everything. The, and the, and the cobra on the bottom is doing the same same effect that Calum was talking about, where it's mm-hmm. two dimensional, except yeah. where the head of the cobra is is peeking up from the yeah, ground. Cool. Right. Through. And uh, one last thing I noticed this this afternoon when I was flicking through it, Duncan has no shadow. Well, that's At least true. Like, in theory, it should be in front of him, but if going by where Tyler's is, but I just thought that was just a nice effect that, you know, just, again, detail. Right. right. Meanwhile, at the dance, uh, Scott Cavanaugh is giving a faux homecoming queen acceptance speech, and Jamal interrupts it with a bucket of red paint parodying the end of Carrie, written, of course, by Joe Hill's dad, Stephen King, and reinvigorating their friendship, which seems to be heading back to a good place. And even the nod, you know, because I I haven't seen Carrie, but I know enough to know that's what this is a reference to. And uh, (laughs) the the bottom panel is Jamal and Scott saying, well played, thanks, sometimes I feel that no one gets us, though. Isn't that our lot in life? Pearls and swine, mate. Pearls and swine. (laughs) Again, that's really... That's written to me. I get the reference, but only just, you know. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was just, oh, I don't know. I hate the expression like, oh, very meta, but it's very meta. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on page 12, before he gets to the dance, uh, Tyler comes across uh, Jordan preparing to burn her expensive dress and send her father the ashes. Uh, they flirt, and she says she's sorry she pushed him away, but she's bad news, and he's already been through enough that year. Uh, she burns the dress, and then she has Tyler take off the ugly shirt Duncan gave him. And going back to the shirt, I like how when Duncan gives him the shirt, they, uh, Gabriel Rodriguez takes great care in every panel to never show you the shirt. You can see the color of it, but not mm. what it is. And it's one of those tuxedo t-shirts, but not just a tuxedo t-shirt. It is a salmon-colored tuxedo <laughs> t-shirt. Yeah. That's classy, my friend. <laughs> You're being generous, Jordan. I would have said pink myself. <laughs> See, I, I would think pink would be a step up, although you're probably correct. <laughs> and uh, I know there's, there's, again, some beautiful pictures of, of Jordan on here, but don't lose that uh, this is all taking place in front of that statue that we've seen throughout the issues um, uh, of the, the hero from the Civil uh, the was it the Civil War or the Revolutionary War or whatever war you guys had? Revolutionary. One of those. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's that statue... Um, that figured pretty, yeah, there you go, uh, just behind um, Tyler there. Yeah, I got it pulled up on my uh, screen there so you can yeah. take a look at it. And actually, yeah. if I recall correctly, it might have been the French and Indian slash Seven Years' War. I can't remember if he served in both or just the Revolutionary, but that's beside the point. <laughs> it was a long time yeah. ago. It was 1730-something, from what I can tell from that panel. Well, that's you know, when the guy was born, so... 
Oh, there you, you go. Been alive later, I think. But well, hopefully you'd be alive after you were born. That's generally the the way it goes. Sometimes. So uh, Kinsey and friends return to Key House, and Kinsey cracks the door open and tells her friends to wait. She goes inside. She sees her mother drunk on the floor. Um, and Nina is incoherent, and the shadows have either left or they're hiding. And Kinsey tells her mother that she hates her, and she doesn't love her anymore. She leaves the house and convinces her friends to go with her to the after party at the Drowning Cave instead of back to her house, like they had promised her mother earlier in the night. And, and again, you know, that's at the moment you were talking about before, Callum. It's it's brutal, but yeah. well set up yeah. and well executed. Oh, absolutely. Just that scene, Kinsey's kneeling on the floor next to her mother. Okay, her mother's shirt's been ripped open. There's... Alcohol, wine everywhere that almost looks like blood. Yeah. You know, yeah. the Alcoholics Anonymous book has been ripped. And again, you, you know, you're heartbroken then to see Kinsey as you go on the next page. She's, you know, oh, you're drunk again. I, if you only remember one thing from tonight, remember, I hate you. You know, like, it's just so, so Terrible. powerful. And, and again, you know, you're, I'm screaming at the comic saying, it's not her fault. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, post-coital, Tyler and Jordan discover the nature or discuss the nature of wishes, and then they get dressed to head to the after party. Uh, Jordan says she would wish for more wishes. Tyler says you can't do that, and she says eh, that's what she wants to do. Um, Tyler says he wishes he could have ever gotten to ride on her motorcycle, which he never did. Um, but then they he heads home to get a new shirt because, as we mentioned, the other shirt was ugly. Um, and he says he'll meet her at the drowning cave with the rest of the students at the after party. So he heads to Key House, and when he returns there, he's attacked by shadows. And on our final pages, they smash his face through one of the windows of the charger that he and Duncan had been working on restoring. And the issue ends with Tyler unconscious on the ground as the shadows close in around him. One one detail that you skipped over, just in the when Tyler's walking back to, to Key House, you can actually see, it looks like he's got that shirt on inside out. You can see the tags. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, let me, I think uh, that's so cool. You know, <laughs> just again, it, it's a beautiful Gabriel Rodriguez art, and that attention to detail, and that character moment that you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and even when he gets inside and he's surrounded by the shadows, the tux isn't on the front, you know. Yeah, here I, I again I shared that one up there. So yeah. you can Take a look at it. Yeah. He's texting off the back of the shirt there. Yeah. Issue number four is entitled Human Sacrifices, and on this cover, if you want to pull that one up for us, um, instead of a key being held out in front of camera, we have a hand, uh, presumably Tyler or Duncan's, um, holding a lit road flare in front of the gate that leads from Key House to the Drowning Cave. Yeah, again, really, you know, just the same perspective, lower right-hand corner, um, the flare. I, I would say it's probably Tyler or... Um, Duncan's because it looks a little smaller. I mean, Tyler's a fairly big guy, so it looks like a little bit of a smaller armed character. But yeah, you see the lighthouse. Why I, I was questioning which one of it would be is Duncan doesn't head down to the drowning caves in this issue. Spoiler. Oh, true. Um, but also you get the the crashed over lighthouse there. You get the moon. Yeah. The moon being very important um, in that uh, issue that Callum hasn't read. Shame on you, Callum. Um, and and the uh, titles. The titles. The lock and key Omega is in that red. You know, kind of color again, kind of mimicking the 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 flare. Right. Yeah. See, now, what I would what I would say is, okay, I don't get the hand, so I miss out on that. But I also don't get 
the, or the, the lock and key title on my page. So I just get this beautiful picture of, uh, of just the lighthouse. Uh, oh, yeah, that is pretty. Yeah, so yeah. again, what, what I sort of lose out in the, uh, you know, I don't have that red hue. I don't have the, the lock and key information across the top. I've just got this, you know, it's a really beautiful picture of just the lighthouse, or what used to be the lighthouse, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. It's and it's interesting that the red of the flare in particular dramatically changes the images from what, oh, we, it does, have, what yeah. we have. Yeah. Like it, it, it is really evokes that bright, blinding light from a flare really yep. spectacularly, and, and even kind of gives a, a hazy look to the red beneath the spoke um, yeah. in the background. So those are almost two dramatically different images. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, mine's, mine's black and grey with a little bit of dark blue thrown in for variety. So it's... Uh, yeah, like I said, I, I what it, it's like I said two two different pictures almost. I wonder if it's right. kind of like you'll see. I I can't say IDW, but I know like Dynamite does it at times, mm. um, where they'll they'll offer a version of the of the cover as a as a limited variant, where they call it like nude. I think they call it like a nude cover, where it it it's stripped of all the everything, the titles, the indicia, the you know the, the credits. The whole... N-U-D-E, correct? N-U-D-E, yes. Correct. Right. Okay, that's what I thought. Yes. Uh, you know, just so you could kind of see the art and not all the other stuff that gets in the way. I know, um, you know, a couple of I've I've got a few of the artist editions uh, that, funny enough, IDW puts out for um, other companies, and there are there's some examples in there of you know where you could see a cover. I mean, not always. Sometimes they actually you know when they do the art, they they plan around and they actually you know put the boxes in and things like that. Um, but there is a, a few examples in there where, or many examples, I should say, especially the covers uh, copy I have, where you're seeing the art unobstructed. So you don't see yeah. titles in there. You don't see, and you know, like I said, indices and boxes. And it's it's just amazing sometimes what gets covered or how how much of a different look something gets uh, without that. So, it, I, you know, Callum, I think it's really cool they did that for the trade. It would have been nice, I think. Did, did they put all the covers, like, in the back of it or, or anything like that? Is, not in this trade. In in a couple of the others, I think they have, but not okay. in this one. Um, actually, one thing I'll just say, I um, the the next page in my trade uh, is actually I'll show it to anyone that's watching. Is actually just a picture of the flare, and it says you know uh, chapter four, uh, human sacrifice or whatever it is. So and I just flicked back through, and basically what I don't have, like if the key if the hand was holding the key to the death door, then the next page in my trade is just the death key, or if it was holding okay. the omega key. So it's it's uh, again, it's a completely different take. So this is on one page, I've got the to keep the the lighthouse. On the next page, black background, just a single flare at the bottom of the page. Alpha and omega, chapter four, human sacrifices. So again, it's it's completely different. It's just I think just part good. I think part of that is because they don't have because you're reading it all in trade. There's no need for the recap pages after every issue. Right. Yeah. So yep. they, that just takes the place of the recap uh, page. And it keeps the pages in the right order. It, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. interesting to note, I, I've been giving the issue titles at the beginning of the discussion of every issue, and you're seeing them first there. But it's interesting, Callum, in the issues themselves, for most, if not all, of Lock and Key, you don't find out the title of the issue until the very last page, and it's oftentimes... Uh, kind yeah. of dramatically important, like yeah. that. That title means something because of what you've just read. Yeah. And like this one being human sacrifices. When you flip that last page and see that's what its title is, like, oh damn, you know, that's <laughs> that's deep. Or or the next one I think is titled the fall. And yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's interesting that they would take that stylistic choice to give you the title before you read the issue in the trade, considering it is kind of that reveal in the actual um, floppy issues. Not that yeah. I think one's better or worse. It's just interesting that they make that choice. Yeah. Um, on page I mean, one... Well, oh, go ahead. Sorry, just, just on that. I mean, uh, again, when you get up to Chapter 6 of Alpha, um, well, I've got... I suppose this would be on the front cover anyways, but I've actually got... Uh, I mean, the key... The, the important key from that issue is there front and center before it's even been made. Or, you know, I don't know. I know I'm being spoiler sensitive. I don't know what you're saying. Uh, sorry, I'm saying the just in terms of giving away a point of the book before you get to that point in the book. My front cover has the key that Tyler makes on the very first page of the issue, as opposed to oh, when you get to the end, you find out what that key is. Well, and, and the single floppy issue does the same thing yeah, as, I, as yeah. I hold it up here. So Okay, cool. Uh, that's, that's a choice that stayed consistent with, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on page one of issue four, uh, a drunk Nina is crawling along the floor trying to get to the phone to call for help, and Ghost Bodie is flying around her, encouraging her, and she drunkenly berates him, and it would actually be really funny. There's some very funny lines there, but it's... It's countermanded by how tragic the whole thing is yeah, yeah. as you're trying to do this. So it's, it's a weird juxtaposition. I think it works, yeah. but it's strange. Um, Duncan um, emerges from the trunk of the Charger with a drop light, and he rescues Tyler from the shadows, which is where they were last issued. They both jump back in the trunk with the drop light together to, to hide, and they plan on how they're going to defeat the shadows with light sources, but they're cut short when the shadows unplug the drop light. Don't! <laughs> you can almost sort of hear it. Oh, we'll be fine as long as they don't flick that switch. Smash cut the hand <laughs> <of> that switch. <laughs> and that last panel just saying, fuck. <laughs> and again, there's there's a really beautiful panel here where, okay, the, the top panel on on the page is, is just the car. The second panel is the car, but they've superimposed a panel of uh, Tyler and Duncan, like, in effectively the boot, you know, it's just really cool with the, the shadows all down. On page five, we head to the drowning cave and we see a horde of teens partying, or, or after partying, as uh, Jordan has just arrived and the kids are watching Scott's film that we saw being filmed in issue uh, number one. When Fody bursts in and shouts for help, so a number of the teens, including the main cast, uh, follow Fody out onto the catwalk above the uh, the pit. And he explains to them that Duncan fell down into the caves and he's badly injured and we need to go and help him. But Jackie, who's apparently the smart one, quickly pokes holes in Fody's charade and he eventually breaks character. His eyes go into demon mode and he announces it's time to do things the hard way and the shadows attack our heroes. Yeah. Now, there are a couple of panels early uh, that um, are in this sequence that kind of remind me of the early... I think it was in the first miniseries where they have like um, uh, the um, 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 Tyler and Bodie and Kizzy's parents after they uh, put on that version of the Tempest. Yeah. Um, too, but yes, I know like exactly what you mean. Yeah, this double-page spread here with the four um, you know uh, uh, squares at the bottom, the, the same layout. I think I'd have to go back and, and and seek out the exact issue, but I think do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I agree, Jim. It's the um. It's. I think it's even the um, first issue of what I'd say is last trade, Clockworks, where um, you know we see them back in the 1700s down in the um, in the the drowning caves, and there's a lot of that mm -hmm. the, 
the long panel across top, long panel across middle, and then four singles along the bottom. But no, you're exactly right. It's certainly a callback to to other ones. And again, in just still on these panels, the top right hand of the first panel, you can just barely see Bodie crawling through the the fence there. And then, okay, the bottom of the the middle of the the middle panel, you can see he's up and he's saying, "Oh, help, help! I need help!" You know. Um, <laughs> one one thing I noticed on this panel as well, the lady or the girl in the the purple dress just on the right of panel, and again, you need your issue in front of you to spot this. Where is her right hand? Because in mine, her arm goes down and seems to blend straight into her belt. Hmm. I, I got the impression that her arm was behind her back and she was leaning on it. But it could go okay. either way. Cause the way the belt is, it looks almost like a, the bangle of a bracelet. A bracelet, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was preparing a very serious email to Gabriel Rodriguez. <laughs> Dear sir, <laughs> I wish to object in the strongest possible terms. Where is this one's hand? <laughs> hey, Jim. But again, I... <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I pulled, it was, uh, Callum, yeah. you were spot yeah. on. Um, yeah. Issue one of Clockworks, uh, th- this is the exact layout like you were talking about where yeah. we get two widescreen panels across the top and then the four at the bottom, you know, with some more uh, uh, conversation. So, yeah, that was, again. Yeah, I knew, I knew it was a callback. I wasn't sure where. Thanks for looking that up. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's the same exact location, too, presumably. Like, it's definitely the yeah, cave, right, presumably the same part of the caves as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Russ, and I love the moment. That... I was going to say, can you put that screen cap back up for a sec? Because I think you're exactly right. I mean, if you take a second to look at what Russ just had up, which is from uh, from the start of Clockworks, I would be surprised if it is the exact same piece of the uh, piece of the Drone Caves. Like, you know, you've got a door on the left and then another set of tunnel opening on the right. Uh, I think you're exactly right, guys. Yeah, yeah, it 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 uh, it matches it pretty pretty closely. Yeah, the opening, and then mm. you see. Um, obviously, there was no door back then. You know, they didn't have the doors and stuff. But, but yeah, the the layout is the, exactly the same. Yeah. And I love the moment when when Dodge Fody whatever finally breaks character. It's ah, just broke character, didn't I? Two months without a goof, and then at the last minute, f it. Let's do it the hard way then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going full evil. I, I love it, even the use, and it's important as we go into these last couple of issues and 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 next time as well with. Uh, using the eyes to signify whether someone is infected with a demon or not becomes yeah. very important. Yeah. And again, can we just take a moment to just dwell on that two-page spread? I mean, you've got bodies going everywhere. You've got shadows going everywhere. You've got the walkway falling to pieces. It's uh, beautiful. I mean, if you could blow that up and put it on your wall, yeah. apart from scaring the kids, I mean, it'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially... Over. You can see Scott Cavanaugh is like flying up in the air. You know, yeah. uh, it's just there's a real. It's re- he, Gabriel Rodriguez is really good when it comes to perspective and things like that, and he uses perspective a lot in this series. And something like this really shows it off, where you've got you know so much going on in the foreground, the midground, and the background. Uh, you know, there's just so much to look at. Plus, and if I recall correctly, he's got an architectural background, right? So that really plays yeah. into his his ability to render three dimensions like that. Sorry, Jim. He messes with the, I was just going to say, he kind of messes with that stuff, too. I mean, remember the the view from inside the head? Uh, you know, uh, uh, oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, that's one that, of the single, yeah, single like, really, I've ever seen. So, I mean, he, he likes to play with perspective a lot, I agree. And this is a really nice double-page spread. I agree with that, too. Yeah. Pretty awesome. And even, uh-huh. you know, just, just looking at the people that are on this uh, on this panel... 
Like, that's going to become his main henchman for the next two or three issues. Like, okay, you've got Scott, you've got this girl in the blue dress, this blonde guy in his suit, and uh, uh, the other runner chick, I forgot her name. But, you know, that's it, thank you. Uh, But again, you know, those are the guys that are his henchmen. When he's, you know, if these are the guys that initially fell down with, in the pit with him, um, you know, they're the ones that become his henchmen in the, in the next couple of pages. Right. Uh, we get a few pages of Rufus returning on the bus to Lovecraft with uh, Mayhem. Then on page 14, uh, we return to Nina at, at Key House. And with the encouragement of Ghost Bodie, she finally gets to the phone and is able to contact Detective Matuku. Yeah, hey, can uh, I just stop you there? The Did anyone else, when they saw Rufus on the bus, think back to Sam on the bus? Yes, definitely. Because, again... <laughs> Sam was on the bus. I believe there was a woman with a baby on the bus for him as well. I mean, it didn't work out so well for them. Spoiler for issue one. But uh, that, that's what I thought. Because, I mean, I'm sure if you go back and look, that it, it's almost, again, framed the same. Like with this woman sort of in the background a little bit. You know, that depth I think Jim was talking about a second ago. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's just really cool. Well, even Rufus, Rufus has mayhem behind him. And I think uh, Sam had Dodge behind him. Okay. Um, kind of whispering in his ear the same way, only for evil, not for good. <laughs> yeah, I, love, I love the uh, the full page the full page panel. Oh yeah. Of Rufus and Mayhem walking into you know, walking into Lovecraft and the moon, and it's a really great uh, great panel. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I got the first trade in front of me. I'm just flicking through trying to find. Uh... Yeah, no, he didn't have anyone behind him, but it's certainly the exact same. He's sort of the front. And she's certainly behind him, and uh, yeah. So, but again, it's definitely a callback to that um, to that issue again, halfway through the first trade. For those keeping score at home. <laughs> uh, so Tyler and Duncan escape the trunk and ward off the shadows with flares, candles, and every other light source they can get their hands on. And then Tyler remembers the cave, and he figures out that the shadows are pretty much just a distraction, and that uh, Dodge is really working down at the cave, so he he heads there. Or he, he decides to start working on a plan to head there. In the cave, meanwhile, on page 17, Jackie falls into the shadowy pit, and Scott jumps in after her. Yeah. And Jordan uses her pyromania to protect her, Kinsey, and Jamal, but they're trapped on the catwalk. And I like how they set that up. In, in the last issue, they had her burning the dress with uh, basically a makeshift torch. That would be American word for torch, not, uh, not uh, Australian word for torch. We actually mean flames here, not a flashlight. But she uses the... Uh, the spray can and a lighter uh, to now ward off the shadows instead of burning dresses. You know, again, uh, Gabe Rodriguez is getting a tough time for me in this issue, but when she set her dress on fire, and again here, if you look at the flames, it's more clear when she burns the dress, but you can actually see it says in the flame, whoosh, or whoosh. Yeah. Like I said, it's more clear when she sets the dress on fire and there's a whoosh, but uh, again... I don't know. As much as I love the art in this book, for some reason that just makes me cringe. It just seems so corny that he has to write. Yeah, that's not old school. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's very, I, I, uh, it's very Simonson. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to take it. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so on page nineteen, Detective Batuku and his partner, uh, an officer in full. Uh, Officer Uniform arrive at Key House and are attacked by a shadow, so Tyler runs out to save them. The officer shoots the shadow, and the bullet goes right through it, hitting Tyler in the chest. 
And at the cave, we see the shadows cause a cave-in and trap all the students inside, ending the issue with one of our heroes shot, uh, probably fatally, and the rest of them trapped in the cave-in. And it's, again, a, a callback to this image. Um, yeah. It's a different image than the rest of the show, but the, the, the image of the, the cave entrance, which we've seen so many times, but now is so different with the cave being covered up by the rubble. I must say, I love when they have these Roman centurions or whatever they yes. are uh, when they yeah. when they appear because they're just so they're so badass. I mean, they're just they're huge. They're and and Gabe Rodriguez really kind of has that detail. So seeing all that detail work on the armor um, and the cape and the and the helmets and everything else, I just every time these guys show up, I'm just like that that is that is really sweet. Yeah. And I think we've got to get a lot, lot of credit to Jay Photos on the coloring with that as well. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. you're getting so much detail with really just black and a dark yeah. gray. Like, yes. There's yeah. not really any shading. It's just those. And it's, yeah. it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, just, I mean, again, I'll hold this up for you guys to see. As we go into the next issue, it's, it's the same picture. But what I actually get is a double-page spread of the same picture twice. But, uh, again, there's even a subtle difference between the last page of that issue and the cover of the next issue, it just it's a lot darker, it's a bit of a wider shot. But you can tell it's exactly the same. They've got the same torches in the same place. Although and, they're uh, out on yeah. the cover and they're they're on in the final image of the page, aren't they? Uh, of the issue, aren't they? I've got them on my cover. what would be my cover. Have you guys not? Well, I have them but they're not lit on the cover. Oh sorry, no no no, they're not lit in mine either. Sorry, no. But I'm saying they're 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 there. And again it's just interesting it's mine has the effect of a close-up shot to finish the last issue, and a bit of a wider shot to uh, to start the next issue. Well, that works well. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a really cool effect. So issue number five of Omega is entitled The Fall. Um, and on our cover, or at least on our cover, not on, not on your cover, but on our cover we have Detective Matuku's hand holding his pistol in yep. front of the caved-in entrance to the drowning cave. Yeah, so again, on, on my next page I've just got the pistol... Again, that would otherwise have been in his hand. Which I do find it a little weird. Like it was a little strange with the last issue and the flare because Tyler or Duncan, neither one of them, go down that path with a flare in the issue. Yeah. And in this issue, Detective Matuku definitely doesn't go to the cave in any way, shape, or form yeah. um, because of reasons we'll get to. But dude, spoiler. <laughs> sorry, Jerry. But. Uh, yeah, so it is interesting that they would choose his hand with the gun there. Uh, it's nice to have him represented. He's a cool character, even for a minor character. I like him quite a bit. But it is strange that they would choose that image. Seeing that gun there makes me... I'm sorry. Seeing that gun there makes me think, you know, of all the other covers, too, reminded me of the same perspective. It's like a first-person uh, shooter. Yeah. Like a video game. And seeing the gun really kind of somehow brings that home for me. Yeah. It's like the end of the Doom movie. We all remember that. <laughs> The better. Sure. Or, um, was there was there an Agents of Shield uh, episode that had that first person yeah. shot as well with uh, yeah. release? Yeah, for part of the shot. Yeah, that was a uh, yeah the sky kind of went all first person. <laughs> um, one thing, I mean, I've never done it, and by the sounds of neither of you guys, but just to sort of chart, well, who whose hand was it? What were they holding? And what is the significance of that? You know, again, it's it's it'd be interesting just to see that laid out on on a page and say, oh well, the the reason it went from this guy to that guy to this guy, you know, it, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's something, but uh, it'd just be interesting to see that sort of laid out. 
Uh, on page one, we see our team heroes still trapped on the catwalk. And the shadows start bringing in the other students to go past them down some shadow steps into the pit to the Omega door. And one of the students, Mandy, the nerd from earlier, who I, who I mentioned, uh, who wanted to tell her younger self to be braver, refuses to go any further. And another student follows her lead. And the shadows immediately and brutally murder them. And Jamal tells Kinsey to hold on for a few more minutes as he expects Tyler to be there soon. But yeah, the one guy gets just chopped straight down the middle and she just gets impaled and blood is everywhere. Literally cut in half. That, yeah. that is so good. Bisected, yeah. That's going to leave a mark. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of, uh, you know, in high school, they've got those bodies that you can pull apart. Oh, this is how your digestive system works. This is how your circulatory system works. Because you can see most of this guy's systems. Like, you can see the brain, you can see his mouth, you can see his glasses are even snapped in half. It's it's, it's beautiful, it's horrible, it's graphic, it's... <laughs> He's totally not going to get the deposit back on that suit. But I no. I not <laughs> either, man. It's not happening. So, they expect Tyler to be there soon. However, on page four, we see that Tyler is bleeding out on the ground at Key House... And a shadow beheads the officer who shot him as Duncan runs in to get Tyler and Daniel inside the house. with Armed with flares and, and flashlights duct taped to his body. It's pretty awesome. You know, yeah, again, I get the feeling that officer might meant to be somebody. Like, it, just the detail that's paid to his face, even yeah. when his severed head is, is back in the, the, the background behind the, the detective. Again... I, I just have the feeling that's meant to either be somebody we know or, or Gabriel Rodriguez just giving a nod to his best friend or, yeah, you can be the officer that gets the head cut off then. <laughs> it's also, I think that officer has showed up before. So it could okay. also be the case of just a recurring character, but I'm not, or it could be both, but I'm not yeah. 100% sure on that one. Yeah, yeah. On page six, Nina meets them at the door and seems and seems to have sobered up considerably. Um, she yeah. freaks, freaks out when she sees Tyler's condition, but then she announces she knows how to fix him. Yeah, can I, I mean... So the series will probably know exactly what she's thinking about. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, we'll maybe wait till we get there, but, you know, I said that the uh, the issue that was the, the rift to uh, Calvin and Hobbes was my favourite, but I can't remember when when we first got introduced to the uh, the fixing cabinet. Was that a standalone issue? Was that just a backup in another issue? Where where was that? It can't remember the exact volume, but I know at one point they did it because she puts the ashes in there. Doesn't she yeah. put... She put Rendell's I, ashes. I, I want to say it's the last issue of one of the volumes, so it's yeah. like a standalone yeah. story, yeah. but it's and a it full was, issue, and, and it's it still was, part of one of the volumes. Yeah, and again, just you know, looking at Nina's character and and everything, I, like I said, I know I said that Calvin Hobbes issue was my favorite, but th that issue with the medicine cabinet would have to be a close second. It's really I, I good. love that. You know, it's it's so simple. It's just her smashing glasses and putting them in and. And then she goes and gets uh, her husband's ashes, and just the, you know, she's like, "Oh, come on, come on," you know, like uh, I don't know. It, it's just like so that's that easily be my second favorite issue. I think of all the lock and key is just um, that issue where she's basically playing around with the uh, the fixing cabinet. But like I said, we'll we'll get to that in a couple of pages. But uh, yeah. Uh, on page 8 in the cave, our teen heroes debate their best plan of action to save everyone when they're startled by the appearance of two of Aaron Voss's surviving emotions who crawl out of a drain pipe that's busted. 
they're running out of things to burn when suddenly Scott and Jackie appear. Scott is using the Hercules key, and Jackie is using the Angel key, and it's quickly made apparent that they have already been infected with demons by the Omega Door when they attack the group. I don't know, it's hard to take your eyes off uh, Jamal's leopard print, not tiger print undies in the, uh, in the top panel. But how cool is that picture of Scott? It's it, just before the reveal. There's just this hulking, great set of shoulders and bald head. Yeah. You know, again, that's that's beautiful. And then the next panel, you know, you get get him in all his glory. But uh, like so, I love that that picture of just Scott's head and shoulders in the uh, in the shadows. Kind of looks like strong guy from uh, X Factor. Awesome. He yeah. does. He does yeah. look like a strong guy, especially with the little like hair at the top. Hair. Yeah. Those glasses. And it's yeah. cool. We get to see his tattoos in their full glory. We get a nice uh, rear shot of them. Very cool looking. And even you can see uh, when he's holding Jamal up by his neck, it looks like he's got the remnants of that dress he was wearing just around his waist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. So, so his uh, Bruce Banner moment, I suppose. That's all he had left. <laughs> um, at Key House on page 12, they carry, carry Tyler upstairs to the mending cabinet as they fight off the shadows. Tyler is placed inside the cabinet and wakes up to be greeted by the spirit of his deceased father, Rendell Locke. And, and again, Rendell tells his son... Oh, oh, sorry, ahead. John. I was going to say, just it's a subtle thing, and it was the same subtle thing when we get introduced to the medicine ca- the fixing cabinet. Sorry, Like, in the, the middle panel on the screen, the top panel, it's, say, about two, two foot, three foot high, and then when they actually take Tyler in there, just between panels, it's jumped to be about six foot tall to, to accommodate Tyler. And again, that was right throughout that issue, just the subtlety of the cabinet knows what you're going to put in it and seems to change size accordingly. You know, it's it's subtle, but like I said, I think it's awesome. Yeah. Then another, we get another example, like repeating panel, you know, like we yeah. talked about a lot in, in this, you know, but, but we get Tyler and Rendell, you know, side by side with each other and then just subtle changes. And, and he's still got that same shirt on inside out in, in his vision, in his dream or whatever you want to call it. He can yeah. still see that tag. <laughs> so Rendell tells his son that in a moment Nina will let him out because, quote, keys turn both ways and that he didn't figure out how to save Lucas until it was too late back in the 80s. But people who have been infected with the demons can be saved and not saved at the same time. Tyler might have a chance to save his friends from the demons, even the ones who have already been infected, but it will only be their souls. And Rendell was too much of a coward to do it, but he thinks Tyler has the courage to save everyone. And then Nina opens the cabinet, and Tyler emerges fully healed. And Matuku has that look on his face like, what in the world? (laughs) (laughs) You kind of always feel bad for Matuku, because he's always like, right next to these crazy magical things that are going on, yet because of the way the keys work, he can't fully comprehend them because he's already reached the age of maturity, and it's just like, he, he kind of just always has to accept them, and you got to imagine for a detective, someone who's so focused on logic and cause and effect and being able to write a report, like he's, got, he's just got to be thinking, how am I going to write the report on this whole thing? <laughs> I presume it's not going to be an issue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, it, just a Nina character moment here. You, you got shot. Don't do that again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, fine. New family rule. No one is allowed to get shot. Good rule. <laughs> that is a great moment. 
On page 18, in the cave, Jackie and Scott deliver Dodge's ultimatum. Yeah. Of the three, Jordan, Kinsey, and Jamal, one will die, one will be infected, and one will live out the rest of their lives as a slave. They get to choose, but they only have five minutes to do so. That's a crazy game. I don't know if I want to play that game. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to play Mousetrap. You roll your dice, you're moving mice, nobody gets hurt. That's right. Uh, on page 19, Jordan volunteers to sacrifice herself, but the others refuse. And she reiterates her plan from earlier to do one nice thing a day for someone from now on. Kinsey says she likes that idea, and as Jamal and Kinsey look over the ledge and try to figure out what to do, they turn to discover that Jordan has jumped to her death to save them, her one nice thing for the day. And the issue, <clears throat> and the issue ends with Jamal and Kinsey alone on the catwalk as their light dies and the shadows encroach. I should be specific, not like shadow monsters like we see in the rest of the place, but as you can see, it's just to put up a page, just darkness is just yeah. surrounding them. Yeah, and I love, again, you know, if this was a movie, it would be perfect from a, you know, a cinematic perspective or television show, however they do it, where you just don't hear anything. You know, they're, you know, I, you could easily see this, you know, cut, the two of them are leaning over talking, you hear nothing, and then they cut yeah. over, and then boom, it's just, there's, there's a space where, where, um, where Jordan was. Just, just awesome. And here's what I was talking about before, Calum, with like, with them giving the title, here, as you can see on the bottom of the page, this yeah. is where we find out the title, The Fall. And yeah, it's, this, it's an impactful moment yeah. that I don't know yeah. if you lose anything necessarily by going into the issue knowing the title, but here it is definitely used for effect. Like, yeah. Jordan yeah, <laughs> Jordan died for our sins in this case, mm. you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and that ends Lock and Key Omega issue number five, which means we're done with Lock and Key until two weeks from now when we talk Lock and Key Alpha issues one and two, which are double-sized, and we'll have some retrospective on the series in totem. But, gentlemen, what did here's, you... Here's a tease. Oh, there's the cover. That's the cover. You can see a little tease. Spoiler. <laughs> gentlemen, what did you think of Lock and Key Omega as its own story and also as it relates to the overall Lock and Key mythos? It's a little weird because we're kind of ending at a non-ending because yeah. even yeah. as the issues were, were released, you know, Alpha came out right after this, but you know, it is it is Omega in totem. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll I'll go first because uh, you meant to let guests go first, I believe. Um, yeah, I'm go right ahead. I love this whole series, just top to top to bottom. Um, in terms of looking at this, just as a standalone set of four or five issues, um, I mean, it's it it's putting a lot of the pieces in place, isn't it? I mean, it's you can feel that at the end of uh, the last trade or at the end of the last set of issues when. Um, they, uh, you know, where he finds the key and works out that the lure is the key. It's like, well, okay, from here on, this is, you know, full full speed to the end. And I really feel that just that's what this trade did. It was that sort of full speed to the end. It was, uh, you know, every every page had something happening, the action, the, you know. Uh, so, like I so said, I love this book right throughout. I think this is a great set, and I look forward to, to the second, well, you know, to the second half of this uh this final chapter. I mean, if you think about it, the stuff at Keyhouse is pretty much one long action scene that's just yeah, broken that's up right. by the other stuff in the, in the book for for like the last three or four issues. It, yeah. It's quite breakneck in its pace. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it's you, you're exactly right. If you just consider, well, hang on, Duncan's getting attacked by the shadows, then the shadows are attacking the cave, and then you know it's it, it's nonstop. And I, I know Russ teased the idea of oh, well, if this was a movie, uh, again, you know, there's that 
fabled pilot that's out there in cyberspace somewhere, but, uh, oh, man. Which how is this very good. Turn into, well, yeah. Really good. The same development with uh, Roberto Orsi and uh, Alex Kurtzman, the team that brought back Star Trek with J.J. Uh, Abrams. So, I mean, there's okay. still there's still on track to be made into a trilogy of movies, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I'd be there opening day, opening night, midnight, whatever you want to say. I'll camp out. I I love this book so much, and and to see it brought to life, you know, they couldn't do justice to the art, but again, <laughs> you know, it'd be just so cool to to see this. It's written. You know, it's written so well. The characters are so good, and uh, and and the visual cues are there. Like like uh, Russ said, you can picture, you know, this scene playing out. Like you can picture Jamal and Kenzie there, and like I said, no sound. And the last sort of shot of that scene is just the blackness, you know, and it's just awesome. I love this book. Plus, there's like what Jordan mentioned before, the mix of like weird horror elements, but also humor. Mm. Kind of take the edge off, you know, the, the the heaviness of the horror, and I hope that, oh, yeah. that they, when they do adapt this to film, that they really keep that tone. I mean, it's a yeah. tough time. There are only like a few movies, like you know, Evil Dead, Shaun of the Dead, like they've really been able to like keep that kind of balance between real horror and and comedic content, you know. But yeah. I think Lucky Key with the writing in this book or whatever, very much, you know, it has that. You know, I mean, they're incredibly horrific sequences in the book, yeah. but then they're also these great tender, funny character moments, you know, and I think if, you know, they put equal emphasis on both, then they're going to, you know, they're going to end up with a winning combination because the book certainly is. I mean, I, I love it. And I think Omega is really indicative of what Lock and Key did best over the entire run. You know, it, it delineates his characters, gives them interesting things to do. There are a lot of twists and turns and unexpected things. There's action. There's, you know, there's everything, love, drama, romance, betrayal, I mean, it's it's all there, you know, in just these five issues. So it's kind of a, almost like a distillation of everything that's gone on before. And Callum you know, made a really good point about, you know, uh, he wasn't sure how well it would stand up on its own, but I think, you know, it, knowing everything that's gone before, I mean, obviously makes the, the, the story that much more interesting. But I yeah. I really do think that, you know, somebody could come in with some minimum knowledge and enjoy it. You know. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed this volume a lot. I, I think... What I liked about it most was just the whole coming of age aspect of it. So you had, you know, these kids getting ready to graduate high school, which we know in this universe is kind of like that's where you turn the page mm-hmm. and you stop being able to see these things and remember them and, and experience all this. And and so they really kind of, you know, drive that home with the videos and, you know, the the, the conversations that, you know, Tyler has with Duncan and um, you know, Kinsey kind of, you know, having that moment early on, you know, where she, you know, she kind of relates to her mother. Uh, and and then, you know, we see kind of all of that set up for, you know, it all to just kind of go to hell at the at, at, at the end where it just all starts, starts you know, turning for the worst. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I, it, it, there's, there's a lot of, you know, kind of bold choices that they made uh, at the end, uh, especially in issues four and five. So I really, really like this a lot. So, um, I, I wasn't as kind to the ending uh, as I was with this volume, but uh, you know, maybe on a. Uh, it's been a while since I've touched it, so I'm looking forward to rereading the next two issues before we come back in two weeks, um, and then maybe get a different perspective on it. But I, I think it'll be an interesting discussion, one way or the other, that we have in a couple weeks uh, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, endings are are a tough thing to do, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about this in next time, but. 
you know, we've had in the last, you know, five, ten years, a lot of, particularly in TV, but also in comics, very high-profile finales, some great, some terrible, and most somewhere in between. Mm. And I think the thing that I admire most about Lock and Key, regardless of whether you like the, the actual ending or not, I happen to, but everything fits together so well. Like, even things that people don't like about the ending were set up in previous issues and followed these logical progressions of A to B to C. Even things like we saw in this volume when Aaron Voss's memories show up and and, and uh, reveal themselves to Kinsey, and she points out, oh yeah, I guess we should have known that you couldn't drown them because I tried to drown my own emotions back in volume two or three, and they don't drown. And so here here we come back and we bring this, and we have you know that, that fishing lore that has been there since the beginning, yeah, and yeah, little yeah. tiny hints, and then here it is. It's got the whispering iron in it, and all these things that are just so well planned out and ahead of time, so well laid out over the end, and I think, and we'll talk about this more next time, but I think that actually detracts from the ending for many people in, in some ways, and that so much of it was so well laid out that some of the surprises weren't really surprises because, well, yeah, of course that's what was going to happen because that's where it had to happen because we know how this works and we know how that works, and when the two things go together, we know what's going to happen or we know what has to happen. In my opinion, I think it works very well because it follows its own rules and it has fun with certain things that you wouldn't expect it to, but we'll get into that more next time. Um, Until then... Uh, we hope you check out hhwlod.com uh, for uh, our previous Lock and Key episodes, which Russ is going to put up, and our previous episodes of all different types and sorts, looking at comics in a similar way we did here tonight, or shows from uh, other podcasts on HHWLOD Podcast Network about many other various nerdy things. And you can check them all out there. Uh, Russ, I'll turn it back over to you uh, in case you want to add anything. And Callum, thank you very much for joining us uh, this awesome. time. We hope to have you on next time as well. Yeah, absolutely. For it. And yeah. uh, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I just probably need to make a warning at this stage. Hopefully people are hearing this because I actually I guess starred on a uh, another HHWLOD <laughs> podcast network. And shortly after that, well, equipment went missing and files went missing and stuff went missing. So hopefully you, the, the greater public is actually hearing this now, uh, unlike my last episode. But, uh, you know, look, thanks, guys. My absolute pleasure. It's um. It's so good to be in the same time zone as, as you guys, or at least same continent. And, uh, yeah, two weeks, bring it on. Cool. Yeah, no, I don't have anything else. Uh, Jordan, I think you covered it all um, pretty well. Uh, again, you know, we'll, we'll get this. At, I'm not sure exactly when this is going to hit, but whenever it hits, two weeks from, from now, uh, the, uh, the next volume will be out. And, again, we'll do it live. I, I think we'll have a better time frame nailed down, so we'll have a better announcement ahead of time so people can uh, can join in on the on the Google Plus Hangout. Uh, so that would be great. You know, being that it's a wrap-up episode, there's two issues that will start. We'll have plenty of time for discussion, so if anybody's got questions or, you know, things they want to throw out there or whatever, please, you know, definitely keep on the lookout on the Facebook page uh, for, for that, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make sure we, we get everybody as, vol- as involved as we possibly can. Um, so, yeah, it's been great. Um, like I said, we've been talking about doing this for a long time, so uh, I'm, I'm glad that we're back on the train. We've done pretty much three in a row. I, th- I guess we missed uh, last week. Jordan and I did a Walking Dead. Um, but, but yeah, we're, we're back on the train. I'm, 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 uh, I'm glad to, to be talking with you guys again. 
Right on. And we, I guess we should say, speaking of finales, um, if you want to listen to Russ and I talk about the Mad Men finale, you can uh, check yeah. out the Walking Dead TV feed or the Master HHWLOD feed, because we, uh, we did Breaking Mad Part 3, talking about uh, the Breaking Bad finale in the first season of Better Call Saul, which was a lot of fun. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I'm going to stop the broadcast now. So, again, thanks, everybody, for watching, listening, however you uh, enjoyed. If, you, uh, if you're hearing this on the audio version, I really recommend you going back and watching the YouTube uh, version because, like I said, we put up a lot of really cool uh, screen grabs from stuff that we're you know, specifically talking about, uh, which is, you know, again, another reason why we wanted to go YouTube instead of just doing this um, you know, via, via audio only. So... Um, definitely check it Jordan, out. Jordan wore pants this time, so don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be. Yeah, no fear. No fear. Short we meant to wear pants. No one told me I was meant to be wearing pants. Well, well, we're in America. Well, no one can see, you know, I don't know how they do that over in Australia, but over here in America. No. Um, again, thanks, everybody. Uh, we will catch you in two weeks for episode 271, Lock and Key Alpha. Oh, and keep your ears open for the new uh, Walking Dead TV podcast. Oh, yeah. It's coming out pretty soon. I mean, Fear of the Walking Dead is only a couple weeks away. Uh, DC TV podcast will be back with the new shows as well. Uh, so there will be a lot of things over at HHWLOD that you can check out. Absolutely. Rock on. All right, thanks, everybody. <laughs>